We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. So uh, I have to say, I'm still uh, fired up about the Lost finale. I'm, I'm actually going to be a guest on someone's podcast because they want to discuss it, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks after it happened, however long it's been. And I'm thrilled. You know, I will never, ever get tired of talking about what's wrong with that finale and the whole show and everything. Uh, that and uh, Superman Returns are the two mo- two things I think I will never, ever get tired of talking about and how much they bother me. You know, I would much rather spend my time because I'm trying to keep it positive, you know, talking about the good things, the Justice League, stuff like that. Um, but, uh, boy, you know, that I, and, and I've been rehearsing, which is weird. Um, because I, I, you know, I don't want to, cause I, I, you know, I'm doing it for somebody else and I don't have editorial control. A lot of people don't edit their podcasts at all. A lot of people's audio suck. Oh, hey, you know, that's another thing. Uh, I have been looking for little victories in my life so I can feel like I'm accomplishing something. And um, one of the things I'm really behind is getting good sound quality in other people's podcasts. And I'm doing it for free. I'm not charging these folks because, well, A, they wouldn't pay it. And B, uh, you know, I, I, I want to maybe, you know, get my foot in the door with some of these folks and say like, hey, I can make your podcast sound better and here's how you do and blah, blah, blah. And it's all very, and it's simple. It's so simple. And this is what, you know, of course, you've heard me complain many times. This is what drives me crazy about so many people is they don't do the simple thing. Now, in some of these cases, uh, the guy who's on the podcast or, you know, sort of his name is on the podcast, well, he doesn't record it and he doesn't edit it and he doesn't know the technical aspects of it. And, you know, when you've got a couple of earbuds shoved in your ear, they go, well, sounds fine to me. And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, but in my car, I can't hear it. So anyway, so it's been great. You know, I feel like and and of course, the best benefit is I can now hear my favorite podcasts in my car because I've helped these people, you know, adjust the audio. So if you know of anybody out there who just needs um, a little help. Um, you know, it's not even something I need to be geographically close to. I can, I've done it through email. I can do it over the phone, whatever you want. Uh, because my whole goal is, I mean, there's no reason why your podcast should sound bad, really. I mean, unless there was just some, a colossal mess up or you decided to do it at the county fair or whatever, you know, there's no reason your podcast should sound bad. And I have to say, I'm a little stunned because there was one person I tried to say like, hey, you know, it'd really help if you bought like this $100 microphone. She had been doing this podcast for like two years and pretty consistently. And she was like, I never get any audio complaints, so I'm not going to do it. I'm just like, really? This thing that you have put a ton of time in and totally committed to, you're not interested in spending $100, Right. I mean, I, I know you make money. I know you you are a touring individual. You're on the road constantly. Obviously, this podcast is important to you. Why not take it to the next level? Right. Because, you know, people it's it's going to get to a point pretty soon where um, there are so many podcasts out there. People are going to start dropping you. 
because of little, smaller and small, littler, smaller and smaller reasons, you know, whatever they may be. And audio quality is going to be pretty quickly a determining factor. Well, I, you know, I, I had to drop, uh, Oh, HBO's Bill Maher's podcast. I mentioned that before. Um, and, and I only say that because I'm acknowledging it. Yes, yes, yes. I acknowledge that I've said this before. I'm sorry. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Don't, don't fast forward through this. It's not going to be a big rant about the, their sound quality. But anyway, so I, you know, I, and I get it. I'm pickier than most. You know, I, that was part of my major in college was doing audio. So yes, of course, I'm going to be an audio snob about it, but really I'm not. You know, I'm not a guy who buys $5,000 speakers, has all his vinyl, as you know from the Zealot podcast, drops a needle and just sits there in utter silence listening to my pipe organs. I know somebody like that. Shh. Clark, do not tell him I bagged on him in the podcast. Anyway, so um, I... I'm not really that picky. I just, you know, there's a couple of easy things you can do, so do it. So anyway, enough about those people. So if you know anybody who has a podcast uh, who would like some help and and really just just cheap equipment, I'm not talking about anything pricey because, oh, digital revolution. Got to love it. Oh, hey, speaking of podcasts, um, the Tobolowski Files, if you haven't heard it, uh, this is this is almost the exact podcast that I was hoping for when I did the stories podcast, the stories episode of this podcast. Um, so uh, Stephen Tobolowski is Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. He calls it Groundhog's Day, which is technically correct, but it's not the name of the movie. And nobody calls it Groundhog's Day. Like, I mean, when we talk about the the event, I was going to call it the holiday. Hey, you going up to the lake this week for Groundhog's Day? Oh, no, I got to work. What? You don't get the day off? No, we only get 4th of July. Okay. Uh, yeah, nobody, it's, it's technically Groundhog Day in the name of the movie. But hey, who am I to care? He's Ned Ryerson. He can do whatever he damn well pleases. Anyway, he's got a podcast that's just nothing but stories. And he does write them out because obviously, you know, it's a story. It's supposed to have beginning, middle, end, jokes, beats, blah, blah, blah. So it has to have a lot, you know, you, you, it's really tough unless you've told these stories, you know, a thousand times in the last two weeks. It's really hard to get the story exactly the way it's supposed to. So it can get a little reedy where it's like, it's kind of obvious that he's reading, but they do kind of a neat thing in the podcast. Um, They have a host who introduces Stephen and um, he says... And the guy who played Ned Ryerson in Groundhog Day, but it's always like the most condescending, not condescending, but it's like the worst job he's ever had in entertainment. Like he played the judge on Reba, Stephen Tobolowsky. And um, Stephen, I swear this part is scripted, but every time Stephen says, now, you know, you didn't know what I was going to be talking about, but really it turns out. I've, clearly, I've been listening to a lot of this, uh, that that fits in perfectly with today's story. And then he starts talking about the today's story. And so the intro is kind of very natural. But then the more he talks, he gets into the reading of it. But it almost, it's it's pretty damn seamless. It's great. And unfortunately, the one negative, well, there's two negatives to the show. One is that uh, he uses a 
a headset microphone with not a really good windscreen on it. So you can hear the air pop and the peas and all that jazz. Uh, and uh, he does a lot of childhood stories. Now, it's not so bad. I mean, the childhood stories are actually good stories. And I'm so desperate for podcasts these days. I'll listen to anything that's got semi-decent sound quality and, and content. Uh, so, so the childhood stories are actually pretty good. Of course, you know, I'm a sucker. I'm a star fucker. What can I say? I'm a midnight toker. I love myself some uh, celebrity stories. And uh, there, there are certainly those uh, scattered through. He did one, I'm up to episode 15 now, and he did one about being a recurring character on the show Heroes, which is really interesting because you really get a sense of they had, again, like Lost, had no idea what the mysteries were, where the show was going, all this stuff. And they were just flying by the seat of their pants. So based on everything he says, it's really neat to get that sort of inside look into Hollywood. So that's my podcast recommendation uh, for this week. That's the Tobolowski Files, T-O-B-O-L-O-W-S-K-Y Files. And, you know, just look him up on IMDb as Ned Ryerson. You can find him on iTunes, and I think he has his own website now. Oh, and it's really cool because um, he gives out his email address. So you can just email him about anything. He'll probably write you back. So I've been listening to some of my older podcasts because I, w- I wanted to make sure I didn't repeat stuff and some other things. And so I'm really trying to stay away from topical stuff. But there was this story in the news that really bugged me. So uh, her name is Deborah Lee Lorenzana. There's a mouthful for you. And that's a double entendre coming up in 30 seconds. So she got fired from Citibank or Citigroup, or one of the city umbrella hoopajoops, because she dressed too provocatively. Now, I understand that this is a business, and you can say whatever you want about how people are supposed to dress in their business, but dude, come on! Working sucks, right? Jobs suck, they're no fun! We need a hot chick dressing like a whore to make it fun. Come on. I mean, go back and listen to the Boobs podcast and and listen to how much fun we have about boobs. And this chick, she was wearing tight turtlenecks and had low-cut tops. And what asshole fired her? Really? I want this man's name. And Oh, and the excuse was given because men couldn't concentrate when she was around. Okay. I suppose if, you know, because I remember we would be working and somebody bring a dog into the office. Because, look, I, I worked with mostly gay guys and women. So, you know, a chick in a low-cut top isn't going to distract too many people. But a dog or a baby would come into the office, shut down. Nothing gets done. Everybody's like, oh, I'm in. You know, and they're just like, like they've never seen dog or a baby before. You know, like just a, wow, it's blowing my mind. I have to go look at it and see it and touch it and pet it. Really? You don't don't have one yourself? Why don't you get one? You like it so much, you know? And I understand if, if that was happening every day where you like wander into Cubeville and it's just, you know, a sea of emptiness and then like 20 dudes are gathered around her cube. I'm guessing that's not the way it happened, but... Okay, 
I guess we have the other male coworkers to blame for this, too. Because it's like, really, dudes? Really? With the availability of porn and strip clubs and everything out there, you can't keep your shit together long enough to get your work done? I mean, really? Really? Just, you, there's a hot chick right there. Just keep it together or they're gonna get rid of her and then there'll be no hot chick! Come on! Come on! If, if, if I worked at that place, all hell would break loose. I would be up those dudes' asses instantly going, you could not keep it together, and now she's gone, and now my job sucks. I have nothing to look forward to, and I gotta wear a suit every day, and a tie. Uh. The other thing about uh, Deborah Lee, that's all one word, by the way, Deborah Lee, uh, is that <laughs> she had huge implants, huge boob implants. And when you see the picture of her, uh, you'll know why, because she's got an enormous ass. And she didn't go the J-Lo route and just be like, screw it, I got a big ass, everybody look at my ass. Nope, she was like, look, I believe in symmetry, I need to be balanced out a little bit. I'm going to have the huge boobs because the huge ass isn't going anywhere. Sorry, Deborah Lee, I calls it like I sees it. I just imagine Deborah Lee in her apartment somewhere listening to this podcast, just getting mad. They are real! Real! No, Deborah Lee, they're not. Oh, hey, speaking of the Lost finale, um, getting back to the New Zealand uh, podcast and the Stories podcast, I do have a story left over from New Zealand that at the time was not a lot of fun. Uh, but because I've had some distance and some time from it, and because Lost uh, recently ended, I thought I would bring it up. New Zealand, I mentioned in the episode, is very much like, you know, the Lost Island with King Kong and everything. It's just wilderness. And it really feels like, I mean, I get it, Lost was shot on Hawaii, but it, it kind of feels like that, too. Like, you know, behind any enormous tree there could be a black smoke monster and and it does give you a sense of being in the wilderness and we were supposed to go visit uh the glacier one day and they called it off because of uh fog and they didn't want to fly the helicopters in the fog and that's fine i get it although i don't know what they're gonna run into because it's just some mountains and I mean, it's not like there's other things out there, but okay, I get it. You know, better safe than sorry. So the wife and I are like, well, now what do we do? What do we do with the rest of our day? Because the glaciers are not in big towns. They're in, you know, two little tiny towns off, you know, in the middle of nowhere. There's not a whole lot to do. So uh, wife Miriam, she says, well, let's go on a hike because there appears that you can hike to sort of the edge of the glacier, and it would be really nice to at least, you know, sort of see the glacier up close, you know, because it looks like, you know, we might not make it, and we might not uh, get there. And so I said, okay, yeah, you know, that that makes sense, and, and again, what else are we going to do? So I said, okay, fine, let's go. So we head out, and um, about, it was like a half hour, maybe an hour into this five-hour hike, it starts to rain. Now, at this point, one of us, hopefully in the future, both of us will say, this is not going to get better. Let's turn around. But it, we did not. And I think, you know, Miriam really wanted to see the glacier. 
I really wanted her to see the glacier. I, I wanted to, too, but really the drive was to see, so she could see it. And I didn't want to be that guy. You know, eh, I'm tired, eh, I'm cold, eh, my feet hurt. Eh. You know, I feel like I'm that guy a lot of the time anyway. And we're on vacation, and when else is she going to get to see a glacier? So I was like, okay, let's go. So it was treacherous. I mean, it was... You know, big signs. If you're not an advanced climber, go back. Nope. We keep soldiering on. We It's raining and I'm wet and we're just going over hill and dale and there's no end in sight. We finally get there and I, I can't contain my disdain for this entire <laughs> endeavor any longer. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. It's like, it's. I did a Clark Griswold, you know, from vacation where he just kind of nods his head looking at the Grand Canyon. Okay, let's go. And so that's pretty much where I did. So she's like, no, 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 let's get a picture. So I, I go over and I stand in front of the glacier. I was going to say next to the glacier. No, in front of the glacier, she takes my picture. I've got a grumpy puss on. And I go over to take her picture and we hear this voice coming from one of the bushes. And he says... Are you out here all alone? And she's like, what? And we're all kind of like looking around and we see him rustling and this guy like just pops out of the bush like some crazy lost guy apparition. And he's just like, and we're like, hi. <laughs> hey, how are you? Is it good? And so we're like, oh, okay. Um, <sighs> so we're like, okay, we're going to go now. Oh, by the way, see, now this is why you need to write this thing down. I forgot about the couple that we met up to the point. They, <laughs> like, I'm all angry and wet and my hat's all pulled down. And these two people, they're like, you know, in their 20s and they're coming back from the glacier and they've clearly done this a number of times uh and we say oh how much farther to the glacier and she's like oh it's like an hour at least and we were like what this we talked to some other people that said 15 minutes and they're like no 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 i've done this a bunch it's an hour and i'm just like Arr. so so i look down first of all totally soaking wet these two big big smiles on their faces just Happy to be wet and communing with nature. And I've got, you know, my Gore-Tex boots on and like five different layers of rain gear. And I look, I, I, I can't remember how we got onto this. I, I said, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, because we passed another guy and he was hiking in flip flops. And I was like, oh, my God, can you believe it? There's this crazy guy hiking in flip flops. And as soon as I say that, I look down at her feet. She's barefoot. Yeah, and she's like, I really get a good grip on the rocks in my bare feet. And I'm just like, you all suck. And and this is why when I said in the New Zealand podcast, um, you, you really expect to be outdoorsy because that's what it's made for. And that's why these people go there. And these, these flip-flop dude and these other two wet kids, not screwing around. They are outdoorsy. So... We're back to the Bushman at the point, and we're like, okay, we're going to leave now. And so we start walking out, and we get to uh, kind of a tricky spot in the river, and Miriam and I are kind of standing about it. And you know you that thing, whenever you have to cross a river, you kind of chart your best way of going and, uh, you know, because like, oh, if I put a foot here and then I put a foot there and then we go. 
And uh, we're standing there talking it. And uh, I say, okay. And I don't know. I guess I just have this habit of sort of looking around me to see what's doing, you know, while I'm hanging out. And then Miriam makes her way across. And I just happen to turn around. And there's Bushman again. He had snuck up on us. He's he's like some sort of wood wood ninja. He just, he's he's so does this all the time that he can just effortly drift across the rocks and so of course he and i was like listen dude i'm gonna be a while and figuring this out why don't you just go and he just boop, boop, boop. like he's one of those little lizard creatures that just his feet kind of go and he just runs on the water and he never slows down yeah he's one of them guys so i'm like okay and then um so i finally make it across and miriam and i continue to trudge along you know the uh new zealand little hill there and we go along we go along and then we come upon uh wood ninja again and he's just standing there and we're like oh okay and he's like yeah you gotta go down that way he had some sort of oh yeah he had an accent so i'll do my generic uh, i don't know what that is accent yeah you go down that way and then you go over and then you go up yeah so so uh hey any would uh any talent agencies out there you know if you want to hire a guy who does uh really sort of ambiguous languages give me a call and so we go okay great and um we you know we do it and we go over and then he goes and and he just he does it too and then he kind of just sort of leaps off like a gazelle into the woods into the bushes and it was really strange because it was like Wait a minute. This guy, this guy who who moves like the wind, he waited for us because he, he knew we weren't very good at this. He knew this was kind of our first time. He waited at this point, which he could have crossed easily. He did cross easily, but he could have. But no, he waited for us. I thought that was really nice. And it was weird because, of course, our initial reaction was, ooh, weird, creepy guy hiding in a bush. Well, he was hiding in a bush because it was raining. It was the only cover out there. But what we so thought was this weird, creepy guy wound up to be a really nice guy who just wanted to help us. But don't don't be fooled. Most of them are creepy and weird. Okay, so it's been a couple of days since I started this, and uh, I have decided that this week we will do... Uh, no topic. Um, I, I just don't have enough stuff for a topic. And I figure really, uh, most of the people who are listening to this are people who I know and I don't get to talk to as much as I'd like. So, um, you know, to- the, the idea of topics is just less important. Um, and, you know, we'll try, I'll try to get back to doing them because, you know, I like the idea, the fantasy, the romance, as it were. I'm a sucker for romance, I'll admit it, of uh, the idea of somebody um, mashing their fists into a keyboard and then by accident uh, uh, having my podcast come up in the search results and them thinking, oh, I'll give this a shot. And I'm talking about, you know, 20, 30 years into the future. Um, and yeah, and I'm assuming podcasts will still exist then. Uh, so, uh, you know, the idea that they will listen to these topics and I'll have sort of, you know, evergreen material and whatnot. But hey, this week, you know, and that's really sort of the whole, uh, thing about this particular podcast is I feel like it, it does, it is flexible. Uh, you know, that what, what can allow it to exist is that it's not just, I'm going to do this, you know, that and that and that and, and, to to go so far in the other direction, like I can't listen to uh, 
purely topical podcast because there's one that I listen to, which is uh, Comedy Film Nerds. And that is, I mean, that's totally topical. I mean, there's just no way I would listen to an old episode of that so I can listen to them talk about, you know, the pacifier or uh, the pacifier. No, the, the, the pacifier. Well, anyway, one of those um, uh, movies where uh, the action star decides to do kids movies because his action movie career is drying up and he needs to broaden his range. So I'm not going to do totally, uh, you know, a topical uh, type of thing. But um, speaking of an idea that I was thinking about, which is democracy has officially failed. I mean, it's really just... I, and I get it. You know, I want to go back to the voting test. You know, it used to be that uh, you had to pass a test in order to be allowed to vote. I still think that this is embracing democracy. I don't think it's undemocratic to say stupid people can't vote. Because, you know, I, what I was led to believe the birthplace of democracy, which is like uh, Athens, Greece. Let's go with that. Sure. Athens, Greece. Why not? I, I'm sort of like drunk history without the drunk part. I'm sort of guy who half knows history, uh, talks about history. So Athens, Greece, uh, you know, Athens, Greece was great because it was small and everybody was educated and they all, you know, they all knew each other. They all knew who was a good leader and who wasn't. And and, uh, you know, everybody voted and they made laws and it was great. But, you know, democracy like that, when you've got 300 million people, just doesn't work. And I understand. I know what you're saying. Well, what are we going to replace it with? See, now those are the stupid people talking. And we just need some voting tests and they have to be the same and they have to be unbiased um, but they have to be there. I mean, you look at the dumb stuff that we have voted for in our lives. Like, yeah, for instance, uh, there's, uh, well, getting George Bush elected twice. Oh my goodness. And, and all that was, was fear, right? Like Carl Rove just can, you know, had commercials of wolves eating your babies and everybody shit themselves and said, oh, I guess we have to have George Bush in there. Oh, okay. And we got him because, and then, and then all the swift boat ads and all the lies and everything that they perpetrated against and nobody was like, well, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It, it's in a commercial. It must be true. Of course, they were all lies. And then he got elected twice. And then now we're in two wars that we can't get out of. Uh, the, the best Evidence of this uh, right now is in, I believe it's South Carolina. They just uh, had their primaries for senatorial elections. And the Democratic, the guy who won the Democratic primary is Alvin Green. And people thought, and, and he won, and he knows nothing, right? You hear this guy talk, he clearly knows nothing. It, my, this has got to be one of my favorite political scandals ever because they got this guy who has a, a history of mental illness. Uh, he possibly was homeless at some point. He is up for felony indecency charges. And you hear this guy go out and find this guy talking, Alvin Green. And they've talked to voters about why they voted for him. Now, mind you, he's not a senator yet, but 
he won the primary, so he'll be running against the incumbent. So it's pretty clear the incumbent will win. But when when you people talk to them about why they voted for him, they they recognized the name Al Green, like the singer Al Green, uh, but they didn't and they didn't recognize any of the other names. Uh, because none of them were the incumbents because it's, you know, the Democrats because uh, none of them were the incumbents. So they were like, oh, OK, I recognize the name Al Green, so I'll vote for that guy. Now, the craziest thing about this story is that he's possibly been homeless and yet somehow managed to get $10,000 together for the filing fee uh, to to you know file his papers so he could run for the Senate. Now he hasn't disclosed his financials yet, which you have to do if you want to uh, you know be elected to higher office. Is you have to say like, well, this is where my money came from, and this is, and it's it's fantastic. I mean, there's there's no way. He had this money. If if they are honest at all about this guy's paperwork and about his financial filings, um, it's <laughs> it's obvious that the money came from somebody else. There's my reminder. Um, and what's so great about this? So I have no idea what's going to happen if it turns out uh, he got his money from less than reputable sources. I don't know what's going to happen. See, again, here's a guy talking about something he knows nothing about. But let's say the Republicans did give him the money. Now, because, you know, the Republicans are the incumbent and they thought, well, let's just have somebody win. This is such a genius move. Like this, this really falls under the heading of this is so crazy. It just might work. So. Let's let's flash back a little bit here and let's think about what might have happened. So somebody in the Republican Party said, look, we want to make sure we keep our incumbent in the office. What's the best way to guarantee that happens? Well, let's get somebody who is unelectable will run against him. Seems reasonable. Okay, so how do you get somebody who's unelectable? Well, how do you get somebody elected who is unelectable? Well, um, I don't know. Let's go find somebody who has name recognition, and then we'll put him on the ballot. People will see his name. They'll vote for him, and he'll get in. Now, they probably should have, again, Republicans, not so good at vetting. You, you probably should have found somebody who can put some thoughts together. But I suppose, I mean, if you really want somebody who is truly unelectable, you find somebody who, you know, is, is facing a court case, uh, is uh, a nincompoop, you know, just somebody so completely dumb. And really, I guess if you're the Republican Party, you're looking at this and going, well, what's it really going to cost us? It's going to cost us $10,000 to get his name on the books. 
And it'll cost us, I think you have to get a certain number of signatures in order to even get on the ballot. So it's probably going to cost us a few thousand dollars to do that. But really, you're looking at, what, 15, 20 grand? And I mean, that's the cheapest. I mean, you you don't even have to do run any advertising or anything. Once this guy wins the primary, you've spent 20 grand and now you do not have to spend millions and millions of dollars on advertising. And look, if if uh, if if the guy doesn't win the primary, okay, so you're out twenty grand. What is that? That's a a price of uh, you know two commercials on TV or you know a couple of printed signs. Ah, drop in the bucket. But the fact that this actually worked is insane, right? Like, who would even think that this would work? If you had said to me, we're going to get a guy who has a name similar to a celebrity, a celebrity, mind you, who has not been in the spotlight for probably 20 years, and people will vote for him, I would say, this is insane, right? Like, this is the, the thing I always think about is um, always, constantly, nonstop, 24 hours a day, always think about. Uh, David Letterman was having an anniversary show. And Paul Schaefer always puts together like this big celebrity band for the anniversary shows. And he was going around the band, you know, uh, introducing all the big celebrities. And he says, well, we couldn't get Carol King, big singer, you know, did Patchwork. Patchwork? Yeah, I think that's her big album. Uh, we couldn't get Carol King, but instead we got Carol Kane. Carol Kane is an actress. She's not even a singer. She, I, I didn't hear a bad note come out of her mouth. She was a backup singer, but she's, she's an actor. And, and Letterman just looks at him and goes, wait a minute. You couldn't get one person, so you just got a person whose name sounds similar? And that was your thought process? And he's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. And, you know, and for those of you who don't remember Carol Kane, 20 years in the future, she's in The Princess Bride. She's wearing a lot of makeup. She's very funny. Go rent the movie. And this is the same sort of idea. If you had said to me, we're going to get a guy elected who has a name that is that is not exact, but very similar to somebody who used to be famous, I would say you're out of your mind. I mean, there's no, this will never, ever work. And, and, and you know what's even crazier? Like, if, if this is the thing that did work, I would be dying to know about all the other things that they tried that didn't work, like that we just don't know about because it just hasn't come up. So anyway, so okay, so let's say he does file his uh, financial records and it does come back, oh, look, he got all these money, money from the Republicans. Is that illegal? I don't know. It doesn't sound illegal. It, you know, if the Republicans, I mean, it sounds insane, right? Like, you know, why, I, I, you know, I, there probably isn't a rule against it because why would you ever do it? Like, I wouldn't make a rule that your competitor can give you funding. Why would I make a rule of that? That, that seems insane, right? You, you know, you, you, why would you help your competitor compete? Oh, hell no. I wouldn't do that. So why would I make a law against it? So there might not be a law against it, you know, getting money from your competitor to wage your uh, campaign. Okay, so let's say it's legal. Let's say he can do it. Let's say he puts his stuff out there. Well, what, what are you going to do next, right? Like, everybody's going to look at the Republican and say, like, hey, man, that's not cool. But our choices are you and the guy 
who has barely one thought in his head. Okay, so crook or idiot? Now, obviously, like, look, I keep going on about how much I love Sarah Palin because she's so dumb. I would love this guy to get elected because, and I would love him to do press conferences and I'd love to have him speak publicly and just be out there in front of everybody week after week because it would just blow my mind. It would be awesome. So you're presented with this, right? The crook or the dullard? What do you do? I think most people would go with the crook because really there's, I'm not really, I guess you, as the candidate, you could distance yourself from it a little bit and say like, well, I don't, I didn't endorse this. This was not my idea. This was the Republican Party's idea. Uh, they did their own thing, whatever. I, I wasn't under my control. I guess you could say that and I guess people would buy it. But ultimately, it does feel like you were somehow tied to it. And even if you were, I just can't imagine people thinking that what they did was so bad, right? Like, it's, it seems even less bad than Watergate or, you know, any of most of the political scandals. It's like, well, you know, you didn't steal from anybody. And we're the idiots. This is what it really boils down to is we are the idiots who voted for them. You did not make us vote for this dummy. We did it on ourselves. The fact that you thought so little of us that you would try this. Okay, maybe that's bad. But, um, you know, it's, it, you didn't really do anything wrong. It's, it's ultimately our fault. So I guess we have to vote for you. Oh, but boy, I mean, that's just... And I guess if I'm in politics... I really don't care, right? I just know I have another job for another six years. I don't care. I don't care how I got it. I don't care that I won. So we're going to have to wait until November before, when they have the election. So what is it now? It's, uh, it's uh, uh, middle of June. So there's going to be some interesting things that are going to be happening coming up. You know, he's got fi- to do his financial disclosures. And this story has no signs of slowing down either because, you know, people, he's a never ending wealth, this guy of just amazement. Like, on the one hand, people keep interviewing him, asking him questions like, uh, well, where'd the money come from and all this stuff? And he's like, well, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And they're like, okay, uh, what do you stand on the issues? And then they start asking him issue questions. So, and of course, he can't answer anything about the issues. He doesn't know anything about the issues. But here's the real reason why we have to ditch democracy uh, as we know it. Because we're just too influential, right? Like, if we were some little country, uh, Luxembourg... If uh, we were the island nation of Tuvalu, oh, oh, Tuvalu, I got just because we're not doing any topic, Tuvalu. So, you know, when you see uh, web addresses and, you know, most of them are .com, but then you'll see other ones like uh, .co.uk, which is, uh, you know, United Kingdom, or uh, .jp for Japan. Um, so, .tv is... You know, everybody who has a TV show, they 
like the dot tv address because it's like hey it's hip like dot tv you know it's stupid because everybody thinks dot com so they're not going to be able to remember it because you're dot tv but for a while when people were really hungry for uh internet addresses dot tv was like the hip cool thing now i nowadays i don't think anybody cares about a dot tv address but anyway so everybody was like well wait a minute what is a dot tv because what happens was every uh, country got their own dot address. And so everybody's like, well, wait, what, what country is dot TV? So apparently there's a nation of islands called Tuvalu. And I think they're in the Pacific. And when I learned about this, I had this mental image in my head of like what that would be like you know, assigning them .tv because they actually have, there's one company that owns the exclusive rights to sell .tv addresses. And when the, the big name grab of 2000 was going on, or probably 1999, those people were making a ton of money, right? Because they could charge whatever they wanted for .tv addresses. You know, I tried to get uh, uh, underground.tv, UG.tv for my website, and they wanted like 2500 bucks. And it wasn't even like women.tv, which I'm sure went for a couple of million if it, anybody even bought it. Uh, you know, I just had a random collection of letters.tv and they were like, uh, no, $2,500 a year. You know, and mind you, uh, most uh, internet addresses you can get for $10 a year. So it was a bit of a rate hike. So I, Obviously, there was a company that made a deal with the island nation of Tuvalu to be the exclusive sellers of their .tv addresses. Now, in my head, the way this all works is, oh, and I looked it up on uh, Wikipedia. They paid $40 million for, I believe, five years of exclusive selling capabilities. And you got to imagine, initially, it wasn't $40 million. Like, you probably initially, there was a guy in a business suit on the island of Tuvalu with, I don't know, maybe a dude in a grass skirt and a woman in a coconut bra sitting there going, uh, yeah, I don't know, man, how much you want to pay us for this? And then he just takes a suitcase out and throws it down and flips it up, and they just see a briefcase full of money, and they're like, all right, this is awesome, we'll totally, yeah, you can have our naming rights, whatever, I don't even know what that is, we don't even have electricity here, so... Uh, we have coconut radios. That's about it. You know, we learned about it from Gilligan's Island. Well, all right, not Gilligan's Island. Somebody told us about a Gilligan's Island episode, and we made a battery out of coconuts. And that's, you know, our electricity, because we got uh, electric toothbrushes, because dental care is very important here on Tuvalu. Very important. And the man in the business suit was like, very good. Here's your suitcase full of money. Just go ahead and sign here on the dotted line. And then you see this seaplane landing in the distance, and the door opens and another man walks out with two suitcases full of money, starts to approach them. And the guy just thinks to him, damn it, almost had this locked up. So yeah, $40 million to sell dot, dot .tv addresses. And where are they now? So my point is, is we're not Tuvalu, right? We are 300 million people, and we do whatever we damn well feel like. Not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the way it seems to be working out, right? Like, the president just gets up in front of all the stupid people and be like, Hey, man. Hey, man. Iraq was responsible for 9-11. 
And then like a couple of people stand up and wave their hands and go, no, it wasn't. We actually work for the government. We've done studies and we can't find any ties. Bah, 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 shut up. Listen, people, stupid people of America. Iraq was responsible for 9-11. Let's go. Let's go invade Iraq. Woo! And, you know, we are like baby Huey of the world. You know, if we had no influence, it didn't, it wouldn't matter. You know, we could just be some dumb, stupid little country and we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be invading anybody and we could be as dumb as we wanted and it wouldn't matter. But we're not. We're like the most powerful country and we got a huge army and we just invade people for, you know, the most spurious of reasons. And clearly, because it requires the, the dullards of the country to vote on it, the dullards cannot be trusted to make the right decisions. And, and, and that's why we need a voting test. And really, the, the voting test should be simple, right? Like, there should be geography, should be one of them. And not, not anybody else's country, like just United States geography. You know, multiple choice. Uh, and uh, maybe name the capitals. Uh, maybe name some presidents. Here's a, a list of names. Uh, which ones, which one was not a president? You know, just something simple, right? And, and, you know, just all based on American history. All that stuff is available on the internet. You can find it. You know, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to pass the test if you're the slightest bit interested in it. Ooh, maybe trivia questions about the candidates themselves. That way it could be topical. That way it could prove that you at least were interested enough to uh, look in about the candidates, you know, so you could say like, oh, okay, I know this and this about a person. Oh, better yet, it's on the ballot itself, right? So it, you get the ballot and like the first side of the ballot is just trivia questions about the candidates. And then the back half is like, okay, now who do you want to vote for, right? And we have to keep it fair uh, because... Uh, you know, uh, you don't want to weigh it one way or the other. You don't want to have all trivia questions about a particular candidate, which forces you to do a bunch of research about that candidate, which may sway your opinion in favor of that candidate because you've done do doing so much research about it. Just make it evenly balanced. And you don't have to make it about every single candidate either. You just do, you know, a pick, you know, just the big ones, the big offices, and say, okay, if you've done at least enough research to care about these idiots, then you can go ahead and vote for everybody else. Damn it, if that's not a great idea. I have just saved democracy with the voting test. Ha ha! That's right. Look at me, everybody. I just saved democracy. And no one will care. This is like, uh, this is like that guy who invents that thing, but... He lives somewhere with this no cell phone reception, so he can't tell anybody about it. It's like just like that. That old proverbial biblical tale of the man with no cell phone reception. Suck it, iPhone. Well, look at me. It kind of looks like uh, we had a topic after all. I kind of slid into democracy a little bit, slid into politics. Um, I think I'm going to call the, the episode sliding. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's stupid. All right. Uh, well, um, so anyway, so I, I guess to sort of wrap up this whole idea about why I even wanted to do an episode with no topic is because I need to keep moving forward. <laughs> if I don't have a project, I've said this before, I am just absolutely rudderless. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. 
Like I, I and I get kind of panicky because I'm like, ah, I'm not doing anything. I know there's, I know there's something. You know, this is something that high school really screwed me up about. High school really screwed me up because I had an overwhelming amount of homework. And if I wasn't constantly working on homework, I knew if I wasn't working on something all the time, I would start falling behind, you know? So I'd get really panicky because I would be like, wait a minute, I'm not working on anything. I, I know there's some project that's due, you know, four weeks from now, some paper I have to write that I should be researching. I should be doing something. And, it, and I, it, I think it really screwed me up. And I've also sort of been getting into this thing, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year and I'm really sort of feeling like, what have I done with my life? Uh, uh, pl- uh, my career is not where I want it to be. I'm not working on any creative projects. I'm just wasting my time. What am I doing? Eh. And I start waving my hands and, and I get really uh, nervous about, about what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. And so this makes me feel like I'm doing something. I mean, it kind of isn't like, I mean, it's kind of like I'm not doing anything, but I am kind of doing something sort of kind of, I don't know, maybe. Eh. So, so, um, doing the podcast, I feel like is something, you know, I, it's, it's doesn't take a, a ton of effort to do. And, it, and I do spend some time editing it together, but at least it's doing something. I'm, I'm keeping the, the train moving a little bit. And at this point, every little bit helps. <sighs> Whew, that was a bit of a workout, just waving my hands around like that. Oh, and also, finally, in uh, personal news, this has been the worst season ever since I was like 13 for allergies. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. But my nose has not stopped running for the last like two months. It's crazy. Okay. From me. From my ramblings. From the music of Bright Brown. From my renewed energy. From my renewed belief in democracy. Let's do this one more time. Till then.